This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. No newscast today. Instead, we are bringing on a friend of the show from our sister city in Philadelphia, Ted Kelly, <laughs> activist and organizer contributor to Workers World. Welcome back to the show, Ted. Kyle Sams, it's always a pleasure to be with you. Great to have you on. So Bernie Sanders uh, was in Philly over the weekend uh, during, he, well, I guess he was shunning liberals at Netroots Nation Conference and instead <laughs> uh, holding a rally down the street outside Hahnemann Hospital, which will soon be closing. In fact, they've started the process of closing today. Um, Sanders called on hospital owners to work with local officials, work with unions and the people of the city to keep this hospital open. So why exactly is this hospital being closed, Ted? Well, it's being closed because it's not profitable enough. Um, And that's that's not even commentary. That's what the investment banker, Joel Friedman, has said when he filed for bankruptcy. Um, Friedman and his uh, hedge fund backers, it's two different hedge funds called Apollo and Colliers. Um, they bought Hahnemann Hospital and another medical facility called St. Christopher's here in Philadelphia a couple of years ago. Um, and they just filed for bankruptcy. And basically it was an attempt, they, they went into this uh, investment, quote unquote, with the intention to flip the hospital. The same thing that real estate developers do with uh, homes in oppressed communities, um, and that's that's what Hahnemann is. It's it's a majority, it's a it's a hospital that serves a majority black community. I think two thirds of its patients are on Medicare and Medicaid. Um, it serves the poorest in Philadelphia. It's called a, it's what's called a, a safety net hospital or a hospital of last resort. Basically, if your insurance isn't taken elsewhere, Hahnemann will always um, have you. But um, they're losing money. Uh, that's what it's all about. And Joel Friedman knows that if he doesn't sell now, it's only going to mean less return on his investment. But like you said, um, the process, you know, there, uh, there was no intervention um, as of today. So the ER will be closing down Wednesday, today. Um, this is an ER that has 40,000 visits a year. Um, Philadelphia's wait times in their emergency rooms are already among the worst in the country. Last Friday, the maternity ward closed down. That's, that means that a hundred, 100 mothers had to make other arrangements at like the very end of their pregnancy. And when you consider like the maternal, the black maternal death rate in this country and that Hahnemann serves a majority black community, like this is. It, it is a public health crisis. It really is. Um, but so Bernie came out and got sunburn in Philadelphia, which was very nice. He basically is helping to make this an, a national issue. Uh, but PASNAP, the PA uh, Nurses Union, uh, the National Nurses Union, Unite Here, and other groups um, have been extremely militant, demanding the opening, the, demanding keeping the hospital open. Um, and I think nationwide nurses are among the most militant and progressive organized workers in, in the country. Um, I'm proud to say that as the son of a pediatric nurse who's been working in Philadelphia for decades. 
Um, but so, if, if folks need a better example of why we need Medicare for all, I don't know if you're going to find a better example than Hahnemann Hospital. Yeah, it seems like, uh, I mean, it's it's obviously being abandoned by uh uh, private markets and capital that that's nothing new it's it's not a surprise to see that there but where were city officials and state officials in the run up to this it 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 seems like there must have been pleas for uh the Pennsylvania state legislature and uh Philadelphia city council to try to do something and especially they, considering it's a safety net hospital right. as you mentioned Ted and they just did nothing and allowed this hospital to be bought out by hedge fund vultures in the first place probably loading it up with debt before they bought it where were city officials throughout all this where were state officials so there have been several rallies um, that have been like thousands of people. And, you know, one of the reasons that organized labor is super involved in this, too, is because closing down this historic hospital will mean 3,000 jobs get eliminated instantly. Um, and, you know, there was a rally at City Hall where some members of city council spoke. Um, but I think the, the contradictions uh, and the political crisis is extremely stark because despite the fact that city council and the mayor are on board with keeping this hospital open. In fact, the uh, Pennsylvania Department of Health under Governor Tom Wolf ordered a cease and desist, basically like said, ordered an injunction saying you can't close this hospital. Tom Wolf offered $19 million in exemptions for taxes and fees. And it looked like maybe this was just a scare to get a better deal with the city and the state. And that was June 28th. Two days later, Friedman filed for bankruptcy. So we're seeing even the sclerotic and weakened local and state political apparatus, the establishment um, is not able to, you know, uh, supersede the bidding of these these hedge funds, um, which means that practically in order to keep Hahnemann open, we're going to have to resort to more militant labor action. You know, there have been takeovers of workplaces before, you know, from Chicago in 2008 to the, the Flint strike in uh, against General Motors in the 30s. Like, if, if Philadelphia wants to keep this hospital open, we're going to have to do more than, at this point, reaching out to our elected officials. Because the elected officials are on board. They don't want this either. It certainly seems from a, uh, uh, from a standpoint of trying to put together an action that would be politically uh, uh, shitty to break up. It seems like workers taking over a hospital to keep it running <laughs> from fucking hedge fund vultures. I mean, the, yeah. it, it sounds like if it were like a Hollywood script, uh, the, the producer would, would, you know, hit, hit the green light right away. Cause you've got your classic, yeah, like your classic villain who's trying to not only shut down the rec center, but a yeah, fucking we need, hospital. We need, we need Denzel Washington to run in there and start running, open yeah. up the hospital and keep it running right now. Something like that. I mean, remember back in 2010, like when the tea party shit was happening. Yeah. The, all of a sudden we started seeing elected officials, like conservative Republicans attacking public school teachers I don't know, but I remember thinking at the time, like, attacking public school teachers, what are they, nuts? Like, and now we're seeing this attack not just on teachers, but also healthcare workers. It's every organized labor group in the country is, is facing these, these increased assaults.
And this really and the is. Trump administration. Go ahead. Yeah, and this really is, as you said, a perfect snapshot of the for-profit healthcare system. I see constant defenders of it from right-wing Republicans to people like Joe Biden, who's out here saying, you know, if you like your health insurance, you can keep it, doing his impression of Obama, uh, perhaps not realizing or realizing and not caring that nobody likes their health insurance and that their health insurance is actually something that stands in the way of what they actually like, which is just being able to go to the doctor or the hospital that they choose. But, I mean, here's more evidence that you can't even keep the doctor or hospital that you like if a bunch of hedge fund managers and vultures jump in and buy up the hospital and then end up shutting it down because it's not profitable. Exactly. Biden came out and tried to do that that, uh, line where he said, well, we can't have Medicare for all because then it means Obamacare will go away. First of all, I... You had to use Obamacare. It sucks. Um, And second of all, the people who are going to these hospitals of last resort, what do you think? How do you think they're getting their insurance? You know, it's through Medicare, Medicaid, Obamacare, the ACA. Um, And even that, like you said, is not enough to, you know, preserve your right to go and see the doctor when you get sick or have a kid, you know, even. Wanted to uh, take a look at another issue that, uh, you've been dealing with uh, personally in, in your writing and it's it, it's an issue that's becoming more of an issue nationwide I feel like and maybe that's just because of the uh, recent reporting by ProPublica uh, which exposed a racist Border Patrol Facebook group and uh, it has sort of sparked a lot of talk about how law enforcement acts on social media you 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 uh, recently wrote a story about how Philly cops have been engaged in some reactionary posting habits. Uh, I'm shocked shocked that Philadelphia police officers uh, would have bad opinions online. Who did this digging, and what sort of posts did they find uh, from these Philly cops? Yeah, so there there was a an, a, a sort of investigative project called the Plain View Project. Um, that was spearheaded by a researcher named Emily Baker White, um, and it was it was specifically meant to investigate the social media posts of police officers and you know police staff across the country. It it targeted eight different jurisdictions, including Philadelphia, including Dallas, uh, St. Louis was another one. Um, but the Philadelphia case was, I think, especially egregious as, again, who, who would have believed that Philadelphia cops are, uh, you know, the, that department is a cesspool of racism and bigotry. Um, there were 400, almost 400 Philly cops um, who were revealed to be posting the most hateful shit imaginable on so- social media. Um, this is, you know, posting pictures of brutalized and beat up suspects that have been captured fantasizing about murdering people you know stuff like why if, if only they had shot this guy like i it's it it really shocks the conscience but it's a case of you know horrified but it, you can't really claim to be surprised by it in fact it, back in 2015 uh, i did some investigation on a website called dome lights which refers to the, the lights that are on top of the cop cars. Um, it was like a forum website for cops. So this is nothing new. I mean, that was the same kind of 
really heinous, xenophobic, anti-Islam, anti-women, anti-trans uh, shit that these pigs were posting. Um, and, you know, the revelation was important because there were protests afterwards um, calling for the firing of these cops. Of the 300 plus, uh, almost 350, you know, active duty cops um, that were named, uh, 72 of them are, quote, under investigation. Ten were put on desk duty. Um, none of them were fired. Krasner, uh, District Attorney Larry Krasner, claims that he's going to add some of them to his do not call list, which is a list that the District Attorney's Office maintains where there are cops who if they're involved in an arrest or they're witnesses, the district attorney's office will not call them to be witnesses because they are known to be horribly corrupt, horribly bigoted, and their testimony can't be trusted. But they'll stay as cops. Uh, they, oh, yeah. They still get keep, their pensions. They'll keep the gun. Back to duty. Yeah. Wow. And, of course, the, the, we know many of these cops already. We know who they are. We know what their disciplinary records are. Um I'm sure folks remember Ian Hans Lichterman, the Nazi tattoo cop. Oh, yeah, um, I remember I, him. The, he had Fatherland with the Nazi eagle on his forearm. He's working down at the Navy Yard. He's still a cop. There's the blackface cop who put a picture of himself on blackface uh, on Facebook. Hmm. There are the killer cops who murdered Brandon Tate Brown. Um, this is nothing new. Um, we've had cops who were allegedly fired before and then you know six months later they show up in another county um it's a revolving door that's you know as open and egregious as you know the catholic church moving priests to different parishes when they've been found to be you know sexually abusive you mentioned krasner uh what's the latest on him we've had you on talking about uh what he's been up to as da in philly uh, last week we had garbage can proceedings on the show and some people in Philly nominated, uh, Pennsylvania governor for supporting legislation that would move to usurp some of Krasner's powers that was spearheaded by, uh, some conservatives in the state legislature. Uh, what's going on there? Yeah, and uh, Governor Wolf, who is a Democrat, um, signed that bill that was that was specifically aimed at stripping Krasner of some of his powers to prosecute, um, specifically gun cases. You know, Krasner is somebody who came out of uh, the movement as a defender. Um, you know, I know some dear friends of mine who he represented. Um, he has some good things that he says. He has some good policies that he's put in place. But, you know... Honestly, the city deserves better than a prosecutor saying, I won't call these cops to the witness stand when I'm trying to lock up black teenagers when somebody plants a gun on them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think we can aim our sights a little higher. Yeah. Um, it's nice to hear, for instance, that Krasner thinks the death penalty is unconstitutional. Um, that's good. Why are his attorneys still using the death penalty as leverage when they're getting people to take plea deals? That would be a question I would like someone in the mainstream media to ask Larry. Um, I've seen Krasner's attorneys in action in court, and um, you, know, you spend a day watching these people trying to lock up black youth, and you'll have a very dim view of what can be accomplished with a progressive in charge of that office. But again, I don't want to be you know, too ultra-left or too whatever you want to call it. 
Um, it's I prefer a Larry Krasner to an Ed Rendell, but I just think that we need to set our sights a lot higher than what can be accomplished with with uh, you know our demands. Yeah, I hear you on that. Ted Kelly, activist, organizer in Philly, contributor workers contributor to Workers World. Uh, anything else you want to plug? Where can people find? I don't know, maybe your tweets and stuff? Oh, sure, yeah. If you're interested uh, in following yours truly, um, check out at Teddy Redder um, on Twitter. And uh, yeah, I do have a couple of events that are coming up if folks are interested. In New York City, uh, this Friday at the People's Forum, we're going to have an event with Janet and Janine Africa, who are two members of the Move 9, who were just released from prison after 40 years. Um in Philadelphia next Tuesday on the 23rd, the International Action Center's uh, Sarah Flounders is going to be in town. It's an event about sanctions as an act of war and the sort of economic warfare that the U.S. wages on countries around the globe. And on the 24th, Wednesday, we're going to get a caravan of cars together. We're driving up to Mechanicsburg, which is the Department of Corrections headquarters, and we're delivering thousands of petitions demanding that uh, the state release Mumia Abu-Jamal. Nice. Mumia's health is, is really, really bad. His eyesight is failing. He's like functionally blind at this point. Hmm. And um, I'll, I'll post the link to the petition if folks want to sign that. Um, but yeah, thanks as always for having me on, guys. Uh, anytime, Ted, and keep up the good work, and thanks for coming on and keeping us posted on all that stuff. Thanks, Ted. My pleasure. That'll do it for District Sentinel Radio today. Subscribe at Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel to get all the content we put out every week and a haiku written just for you. Thanks to our sponsor, the Congressional Dish Podcast, hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. We'll be back tomorrow for subscribers with the garbage can. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.